Welcome to the podcast. I'm comedian Mick Nevin. It is good to have you on board for a chat with various people about the approaching end of civilization as we know it. Should be good fun. Ebola epidemic bleeding out your ass. Ice caps are melting down all so fast. It's the Apocalypse Comedy Welcome aboard. Good to have you with us for this episode, talking with Jim Greer, who is an Australian prepper and a survivalist and a man with some skills. Let me tell you, this episode could actually save your life. If you ever get lost in the bush, you think back to this episode and there will be things in here that can help you. He's a pretty amazing dude, Jim. He told me when I spoke to him on the phone, he said, oh yeah, mate, I could walk into the bush here in Perth and a few months later I'll walk out of the bush in Alice Springs and I'll be fitter and healthier than I was when I left. Like with nothing. He could survive in the bush with his bare hands. That's how confident this man is. That's the kind of skills that he is bringing to the apocalypse. I mean, if you're a regular listener, you know I start every episode by saying what skills are you bringing to the apocalypse. sounded stupid saying that to him. At some points in the podcast, I was asking him questions and he just couldn't understand where I was coming from because I was like, well, how do you not get lost in the bush? And, he, and to him, not getting lost in the bush is just a thing you do. <laughs> Pretty cool. He's also a prepper. He's got himself an amazing bug out truck. We talk about that. If you want to see more about what Jim is bringing to the table, he's got a website where he posts advice on prepping and bush survival. It's Jim's Outback. Dot com dot au. Not to be confused with Jim's mowing, that does come up in the chat. And, and fair to say that Jim Greer does not like Jim Penman. <laughs> we'll talk about that as well. It's a, it's, it's a really cool chat. There's some great survival advice in there. If you do want to start prepping, you the place to start is jimsoutback.com.au. And there's links to his videos if you want to learn how to start a fire with an empty can and a piece of fresh kangaroo poo, it's on the videos. We talk about it in the podcast coming up. It was great. He picked me up. I I went down to his place and we sat out on his back deck and we just had a chat and had a walk through his bus and you can hear birds in the background. And like he's very close to Perth, but far enough out that he's kind of in the the bush. It, It was lovely. Fun chat. You will enjoy it. In the meantime, I am finishing up at Fringe World Perth. I've got two shows left. If, you wanna, if you're listening to this and it's not yet past Sunday the 16th of February, you can still book a ticket to that show. Use the promo code podcast, get $10 off. Adelaide's coming up. That starts on the, the 8th of March. Uh, book online. Use the promo code podcast. Come and see my solo show, Apocalypse Comedy Club, featuring Mick Nevin uh, at the Adelaide Fringe. And then it's at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival for two weeks. Tickets are online. That's all at my website, micknevin.com.au. You can check that out there. Big week in Australia. Like, obviously, the bushfires have gone out because we've had a massive rain event and now there's flooding. Uh, Also, power went off in Sydney. Some homes in Sydney have been without power for seven days, five days, and people are losing their shit. Oh, we've got to get the power back on. Everything's falling apart. Like, harden up. 
You know, if you can't go a week without power, how the hell are you going to manage when civilization falls apart? And if you are listening and you think to yourself, well, I don't need to prep, well, maybe you don't need to prep for an, for an apocalyptic event, but just being prepared for having the power go off for seven days. Maybe that's not such a dumb thing. Anyway, worth thinking about. I'm on the social medias, obviously, uh, on Instagram, at McNevin, on Twitter, at McNevin, Facebook, McNevin Comedian. It's all on my website. Just go to the website, mcnevin.com.au. The links are there. If you enjoy the podcast, send us a message. Let me know. Rate it, review it, tell your friends, etc. all that jazz. Uh, this one, it's a good one. So you will, uh, you'll enjoy it. Jim's Outback com.au if you want to know more about what Jim is bringing to the table and like I say just this this could save your life so you know enjoy this chat that I have right now with uh, with Jim Greer it's the apocalypse comedy robots AI's gotten loose and robots are now hunting hunting uh, humans to exterminate humanity and you and I, Jim, we're sort of thrown together into the apocalypse. And, and normally I would say, uh, what skills are you bringing to the apocalypse? But as you said to me on the phone, you could quite comfortably walk into the bush here in Perth and sometime later you could come out in Alice Springs and you'd be fitter and healthier than you were when you left. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, uh, <laughs> and on top of that as well, you know, like you talk about drones and stuff, I mean, something there would be just a couple of old microwaves along the way. I'd build my own little EMP and blow the drones back out the sky. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> really? Yeah. So, okay. I mean, when it comes down to, to normal skill sets and things like that, you know, I've got quite a bit of knowledge stacked up in the head there and... Um, I can sort of utilise a lot of things for a lot of different avenues. So. Uh, let's we'll get back onto that in a sec. So what I was going to uh, ask you: uh, what skills are you not bringing? Uh, that's that is a tough question because um, I've got to think about what I'm not bringing. Um, yeah, yeah, a very, very difficult question if you were going to ask that. Uh, it's like uh, like medical skills, how's your first aid and all that, probably. Yeah, no, nah, that's all pretty. That's all pretty speed. good? Yeah, yep. Um, um, I can do bush medicines and all that sort of stuff as well, so I can utilise all the native plants for, for medicines and treatments and stuff. Right. Yeah. Dentistry? Oh, yeah, I wouldn't bring dentistry <laughs> other than a pair of pliers. I'd just pull your tooth out. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably that's probably enough, really. At the end of the day, yeah. once the tooth's out, they're not a, they're not a problem anymore. Yeah. So, where did you like? When did you first start? Not not prepping, but when did you first start getting these skills together? Uh, it sort of come from childhood, sort of stuff. Uh, grew up on a, a small property, and um, you know, joined scouts, and I was always out, you know, canoeing and hiking, and and doing first aid and all that sort of stuff that you do in scouts and adventurers yep. and whatever else so um a lot of the the normal sort of bush hiking skills i suppose you'd call it i, I sort of learnt from there and then I, I just progressed later on to more and more um throughout the course of life you were in the navy for a while did anything come out of that yeah um that's i was part of the ship's medical emergency team and okay. also the firefighting team on board so that also come you know a lot into hand of as to things i've learnt um they teach you, you know, all your basic 
sort of combat stuff as well, which uh, also comes in handy. Make sure you've got rifle knowledge and uh, not afraid to shoot something and that type of thing. That That's another part that's come into play as well. You've been on the TV and stuff like that. You know, you're you're sort of a, I guess, you're the media's go-to man when it comes to talking about prepping and... Yeah, I, I don't know if I'd call it the go-to man. I've had uh, yeah quite a few interviews now. Um, it all come about unexpectedly. I had um, the Guardian was the first one that uh, came to my attention, and they um, they just put their feelers out and said, "Oh, can we talk to any preppers out there?" And I, I sort of said, "Oh, well, if you want to, you can." And I didn't hear anything from anyone for about a year, and then they published an article on me uh, about a year later. And um, as soon as that article came out, I, I started having phone calls and messages and all sorts from different, you know, companies and uh, the project I was on that. Um, ABC were contacting me in Today Tonight and all, all the different bits and pieces came from everywhere. New Idea magazine, I've got an article in there somewhere. <laughs> really? Yes. yes that's so. I wasn't quite sure about how I was going to turn up in a woman's magazine, but it <laughs> <laughs> seems to be all right, though. Coming yep. out okay, so that was good. How do you communicate to the, you know, how do you feel, you know, you're a bloke here, you're living out in out on the fringe of the city, all of a sudden you've got people want you on the project and stuff like that. It's like, what do you think about that? Um, yeah, <clears throat> I mean, I don't mind because uh, I like the idea that if I can help people out and, and teach people on you know, how to use their own basic survival skills and things like that, or even encourage people to do their own research on it and, and learn about it, and I think the better off the people will be. So when it comes down to it, you know, they say, oh, we want to do this and we want to do that and put you out on TV. Well, I don't mind because then other people say, hey, look, there's someone that's doing it. If he can do it, maybe I can do it. And I think that's a good thing in a way. Um, you went and lived out on the country with, like, out on the with the indigenous and learnt the bush skills from that? Like, when did you do that? Yeah, I've, I've sort of spent um, up to recently, the, like the last 20 years, has pretty much been in and out of the, the bush through Central Australia and uh, through the Kimberleys and everywhere else. And for a while there I got involved in a, a tour company which um, dealt with a few of the um, main communities in and around Kings Canyon area and that sort of stuff. And um, we used to help them like build their community up and build their gardens up and things like that with native plants and and whatever else to help sustain the community but at the same time they would teach us the different ways of you know, how they act and what they do around the place and how they would survive and uh, we used to bring school groups in uh, from all over the world into this area that would actually sit and learn from the aboriginals as to how they live and do dot paintings or make spears or all these sorts of stuff so I'd, I'd get involved in that as well in helping the kids to learn how to make spears and you know learn where to go and find tucker and things like that from out in the bush you've got a wealth of skills let's just walk through it from the start you walk into the bush with nothing yep there's a, you can have clothes you've got clothes on yeah all right and you walk into the bush with nothing what's the first thing you do uh, well, you sort of got to follow your basics all the time. So, you know, you need your food and shelter and water. So if you're, you're going off, you, you want to basically give yourself a direction as to where you know you're going to find water to start with. Because wherever you're going to find water, then you're going to find animals around. 
Yep. Uh, the animals will come to the water, usually of a morning or a night. Um, they'll come up to that water hole and they'll get their drinks for the day or for the night, and they'll, you know, have, they'll come get a drink at night. Then they'll go off and sleep. So, first thing in the morning, you usually find all the kangaroos and all that sort of stuff hanging around the water holes. So, if you've already aimed for somewhere where there's fresh water in the bush. There's a good chance you'll find an animal coming up to it in the morning and if you've got your spear and everything like that prepared then you've got something to to go for for like meters such like that and then from that also you can skin a roux and utilize the skin for you know further clothing or protection if you need it um, you could put that across your shelters so that way your shelter's got wind blocks you know if you've got a couple of roux skins up that's basically like a, a form of sleeping bag if you would um, it, that sort of thing is what I would aim for. How do you let's let backtrack then? How do you know where to find the water? Uh, well, that's coming down to being able to read the ground. So a lot of people just look at the ground and think it's just dirt and stones and things like that. You know, they don't really pay a lot of attention. Uh, but to myself and a lot of the Aboriginal people out there, that's actually um, tells a quite a big story when you look at the ground. You can see all the different animal tracks and the directions of the prints. And once you see that there's a certain direction of prints and you can see there's like fresh kangaroo poo around or things like that or fresh tracks in the ground that haven't been windswept, you know there's something that's reasonably close to you that um, you could possibly find as food. So you can sort of then follow that. And things like the cattle tracks or uh, sheep as well, um, kangaroos will do the same thing. They'll have a set path through the bush and it looks like someone has walked that path for many years, but what it is is the animals have used that path and they'll follow that path to water so that every day they go there for a drink. It's like their home area. They know where to find the water. So if you can follow them there, then you'll see that's where the water is yeah right they're doing the work for you yeah yeah so all it is is actually being able to understand the nature and knowing what to look for once you know what to look for then that'll lead you the pathway yeah so um, when people think you know oh, these aboriginals are crazy I don't know how they do it it's like reading a map you know the ground is your map and the same as all their songs that they used to sing they actually would sing their way from point A to point B and you know for for us it would be like um singing a song from you know here into town you might say oh, I'll, I'll sing my way I'll, I'll walk along underneath a bridge and then i go past this big intersection and da 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 yep. that would be their song sort of thing you know but but it would be more like you aim for the the big two hills over there you know that looks it might look like a lady laying on her back or something like that and then you go past the big river and that takes you to the next spot and so on and so on. And yeah, so the, the songs are like a map in there, yeah. a map for them to read. Yeah. Um, their cave paintings and things like that, they generally will actually have a lot of meaning to them as well. Tell you where meeting places are, tell you where water holes are, tell you if there's any dangers around. There's a lot of, a lot of stuff that they actually used to do and still do now that gives direction as to where to go to survive from. So you just got to understand that. Yeah, yeah. Unreal. So you're out. You've got your water. You've got your kangaroo. How do you find your directions? Or do you, if you're walking from here to Alice Springs, like you said, how do you not get lost? Oh, it's, for me, it's sort of, it's, I don't know. Um, 
people get lost in the desert or out out in the bush, and then they just end up walking around in circles. Yeah. Like, how do you not do that? Um, that's kind of like, like that's a, like asking you. Like, obviously, you would just know not to do it, but yeah. break it down for someone listening. Now they get lost in the bush. You utilize a lot of things. Um, for a start, you try and pick points that you can see um, from a height. So if, if you're in a low-lying ground, you find a you know decent tree, climb up the tree, pick a point, you know, like another big tree off in the distance, and then you aim for that tree, sort of thing, you know and just keep walking in a straight line um if it was someone that's never been out in the bush before and they thought well i don't know which way i'm sort of going you use a lot of things like the sun always gives you a good idea of direction um especially in australia you know we're in the southern hemisphere so the sun's always generally in the north but it'll start from the east and roll around to the west yep so up until lunchtime if you you're walking into the sun in the morning you're walking east and if you just keep following the sun all day you'll end up doing pretty much a u-shape but what you want to do is you want to walk and when it starts getting hot find a shady tree relax for a while in the heat and then in the afternoon walk with the sun on your back instead of in your face yeah follow your shadow yeah so that's how you would head east if you want to head west you do the opposite you know you have your shadow in the morning and then in the afternoon the shadows behind you Okay, what do we need next on this trip? You're going to need stuff like, uh, obviously, your spears and things like that. So if you're going to make a spear to be able to spear a kangaroo, for example, uh, you, you want to find a, a reasonably straight sort of stick to start with, uh, depending on where you are as to what you, what you can use. Some trees, you can use the roots off them. They're a lot easier to straighten up. Sometimes it's a vine that you, you know, you've got to... You might find a fat vine that goes skinny type thing uh and then to get that off as such like you know it might not be easy to snap it so you might need to, to cut it with something so you'd, you'd find a, a nice big heavy rock like a big heavy piece of quartz or something like that with a sharp edge on it uh, quite a lot of the time the, the quartz has got like almost a knife edge and you just use it almost like an axe in your hand and bash it away at the base of your, your stick and that'll chop it out and then you can use that same edge to sharpen up your spear clean the bark off it you can start you know a fire by means of uh, everyone says oh, i rubbed two sticks together but that takes forever <laughs> um, there's, there's a lot of other ways you can start a fire you know like um, what's your go-to oh i like um using bits of rubbish uh, like aluminium cans or headlights bits of glass things like that that you can find and utilize like a magnifying glass almost you know when you're a kid and you may want you know used to chase ants with a magnifying glass or try and light fires or something yep, like that yep. you can do those sorts of things if you use a tin can and you sort of put a split in the middle and open up the can and you can chuck a bit of fresh kangaroo poo in there and break it up i saw that on one on your one of your tv interviews so you put kangaroo poo in a tin can yeah, or like a, a, a empty coke can or an whatever. empty coke yeah. can and then a little tiny bit of dry grass to go with it and all you do is just point the can towards the sun and it works like a solar oven and the, the reason you use the kangaroo poo is high in methane when it's fresh so when you break it up it releases the methane and the the heat being reflected inside the can will actually set fire to the kangaroo poo which then you've got your dry grass on top once you get a little bit of smoke and you start to blow it, it'll 
make it go up a bit up. quicker and then it'll flame up and then you just build your fire on top of that and away you go you got your fire and that's just utilizing bits of rubbish and stuff that's getting left around i mean obviously out in the the middle of the bush you might not find so much rubbish so you, you sort of move to other methods you've got flint rock and stuff like that that you can utilize um if you don't know what rock is a flint rock well you've got all the time in the world to start picking up rocks and striking <laughs> them against the other ones you'll soon find something so um when it comes down to it, it a lot of the time you you do have to have trial and error especially if you don't know already to work out what's going to do what for you but the, the first thing i would say is to at least try don't think i don't know so what am I going to do? You actually try these things first, and then you'll you'll start to learn pretty quick. I read somewhere that like the fire is the most important thing. Because if you can get a fire going, you've got warmth and a bit of security, and it feel you know it's yeah, it'll help you know deter a lot of the the wild animals and things like that as well. Um, a lot of your dingoes will sort of hang around the edge if there's a fire rather than coming right into camp. Although if you sort of you still got to be careful of them, you know if you got to good few of them I'd, I'd suggest sitting up a tree rather than sleeping on the okay. floor yeah um i've seen some pretty big dogs out there and i've seen things that look like irish wolfhounds you know and the out in the out, scrub and the scrub you know that that their backs almost come up to my chin yeah right yeah you know, and, and heads the size of soccer balls yeah. so you can get some pretty big dogs out well, they're there. not dingoes though are they they're, no, they're wild they're, dogs they're, they're wild dogs that have crossbred with dingoes and things like that you know hunters dogs with that have run off after something and hunters just back. gone uh, bugger it and left them out there um you get that you know quite often so you end up with yeah all sorts of different dogs out there german shepherd looking things and lots of stuff like that so you do have to be cautious um but again it's just a case of being smart about it you know don't don't leave yourself where you're going to be backed into a corner or um out in the open where a lot of animals can come at you from all different directions you know give yourself a little bit of protection set up yeah, yeah set it up in a smart way yeah so let's get on to the um <clears throat> the prepping you've got your truck over there your, your bug out truck yeah i asked you before i said ready to go at a moment's notice and you said yeah put put the kids and the food in there and the yeah. laptops and away we go yeah pretty much yeah how uh how long could you stay out bushing that uh generally for about three months right uh, you, you'll get out of that um I carry things like I've, I've got a, a ball pump that comes with us. I've got um, a 7.5 kVA genset on board. You know, you can't always find fuel out there, but it's there as a backup if you need it. I've got two kilowatts of solar panels on there, so that usually gives me plenty of power to run things and that sort of stuff if needed. And, I mean, it's got heaps of water tanks, generally heaps of food in there, um, stacked and stored, ready to go. Uh, motorbikes are on there, tools are all on there, so I can pretty much fix anything on the truck or um, on the bikes or, or anything like that. Anything you find along the way? Yeah, yeah. You know, I've got a fairly good knowledge of um, where a lot of um, like Aboriginal rubbish tips are for their cars and things like that, so I know where I can go and get bits and pieces from or uh, find spare parts, all that sort of stuff out in the middle of nowhere. How much did that cost you to set up, ballpark? Uh, probably around about 90 grand now. 90? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the truck originally cost just under 50 grand um, as a, a flatbed truck. And then I've, I've built everything on the back uh, from there. 
So I built all the cabin on the back and uh, built the trailer all myself and all that sort of stuff. But each, you know, each thing that you add on there's more money every time. Like, yeah, just, yeah. just building the, the cabin part without fitting it out, it's about 15 grand. And then you got air cons and, um, you know, water tanks and all the rest of the stuff that you put in and materials inside and all that sort of thing. Just so you've got an air con in there? Yeah, yeah the, the actual back of it's got, um, like where you sleep and everything, that, that's got its own air con and then the front's got two air cons in there. Like in the cab, so when you're driving, you've got plenty of cold air. The solar panels they they fold out, so it becomes an awning at the same time. Yeah, I see that. That's uh, so you've got um, the two like a solar panel on each side. Yeah, there's there's um, uh, we got one kilowatt on each side of it, and so there's five panels on the on each side, and they're just hinged off the roof. And all I do is just stick a pole on the corner at the front and lift them up. They stay up by themselves in pretty strong winds. Is it okay, be okay to take a couple of pictures and stick them on the... Yeah, on the yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. All right, so there you go. You're listening right now. You want to, We'll take a couple of pictures of Jim's bug-out truck and that'll be up on, the, uh, on, on my Instagram and on the, on, the, uh, on, the, on the other social media, so check yeah, that out. Yeah. So that, that truck, that's seat seven. We've got a couple of baby seats that go in there and you know, t- two little ones and then we've got the other kids can go in and, and fit everyone in comfortably and dogs can even fit in there as well. Um, and then in the back we got beds for everyone as well, so we've got a nice double bed for us that uh, everything's got storage underneath it, and the kids have got their bunk beds, and there's a couple of little cots in there, and if we need to we can turn the front cab into another double bed, so if it gets too squishy we can chuck a couple of kids in the front of the truck. <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah, and then uh, the the trailer that also has its you know extra utilities. You sort of try and do everything so you get more than one use out of everything so like the trailer you can that gets utilized as a, a kitchen more so than the one inside the truck so we've got the sink and everything inside the truck but we we like to keep the fridge downstairs because you do a lot of the cooking outside not inside it keeps the truck cool inside yep um and then also you could make you know roll the swag out on the back under the the awning on the back of the trailer and you got your, your dirt bikes if you you want to go off and go for a quick hunt somewhere you can take the bike off and, and go and get what you need that way is that what you use as like your holiday vehicle as well like when you yeah. go camping you just yeah. every load up kids we're going camping yep yeah, yeah right we, we don't we don't even need to do the load up kids we're going camping we just go so it sort of works the same as if you were doing like a test bug out drill i suppose you could say you just right you're ready yeah we're off yeah we'll go out for a couple of weeks at a time go fishing or out in the bush and I'll sit with the kids and make spears out in the bush or something like that, you know, and try and teach them new stuff all the time. So you say it cost you it's cost you ninety grand to set up, but it's pays for itself. It's your holiday it's your holiday vehicle as well. So but then if the yeah. shit hits the fan you yeah, you're ready to go. You're ready to go. Yeah. It's like a holiday home on wheels. Yeah, exactly. It's worth yeah. every penny, isn't it? Yeah. Well how do you go? Like do you you know, we're talking about prepping and stuff like that, and you're saying, "Oh, just in case, you know, so, so civilization as we know it falls apart, kids, we've got to be ready to go." Do you do you do you tell them about that, or you just make it? I, I don't. You, you don't want to be freaking them out. Or? Yeah, I don't specifically freak them out. Um, <laughs> just, I mean, they they know like we've we've had a few close call bushfires, um, especially being here out in the scrub. Even, you know, so close to town, there's a lot of arsonists and things like that that just set fire to things randomly. And um, the kids have, have seen us in swing there where, all right, there's a bushfire and it's coming from next door. 
we better get ready, you know, and the next minute we've got all the animals in the car, the kids are all in the car, all the cars are pointing out the driveway, ready yep. to roll, everything we need that, you know, keepsakes, your, your birth certificates and all that sort of stuff, all your important papers are already in the car um, or in the truck and everything's just ready to, to move out straight away sort of thing. So they're, they're used to that and know that if we do need to go quick somewhere, that's what the stuff is for, you know. And then when when we go out camping and stuff, I, I generally just teach them the skills rather than say, oh, this could happen or that could happen or yeah. any of that. You know, like I really don't want to. Well, going camping and making spears and fishing and stuff like that's just good fun, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. To kids, I mean, the same when I was growing up, it was all good fun. I was learning lots of skills, but it was just all in the name of fun. And so, what are you prepping for? Uh, anything and everything. Um, there's. I don't know, the world's becoming more and more unstable, I see. Just the, you know, the governments are starting to look really corrupt and all that sort of stuff, so who knows what they might do or, you know, there, there could be like things like the cyclones and stuff up north, all that sort of stuff. You you never know what might be coming your way. And I think it's just good to be ready in that sense that for anything that might happen, whether it be like your killer robots or your... Um, you know, viral outbreaks or something like that that you need to get away from main society then you want to know that you've got that ability to to get out and go I don't really like the idea of just sitting at home and sort of waiting for someone to come and attack you 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 see a lot of these preppers that we've got all the guns in the world and we've barricade ourselves in the house and we could go I'd rather just get out and and you know I've got different avenues on how to get out and different ways to get out i know all my roads to you know everywhere i know um even as much as following train lines you know the train runs past here i could quite there goes one now um that's a train going past yeah yeah (laughs) i can easily you know just go and push my way under the train track and drive along the train track or along the side of it and that'll take me straight out and i'm not using roads so i'm not going to get caught up in traffic because i'm not on a main road going out but that'll still take me to the other side of the hills, you know. And what's your, what sort of signal or what's the sign that you would be looking for to just go, oh, that's it, we have to, let's get out of here? Um, I, I think there's a few. Because like, you don't, you don't we, want to leave too late, do you? You don't want to leave too late, but you don't want to leave and then find out nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and go, oh, well, I just left everything behind for nothing. So, yeah, you, I think the main thing is... The, the civil unrest or I mean if, if I started seeing all of a sudden a massive military presence in the area or um, a, another good way to look at it would be um, things like your internet your internet might play up a little bit but if all of a sudden there was widespread outage of all electronics being um, internet, Wi-Fi's phone services, things like that if they all dropped off the face that would mean that you can't get fuel from service stations. You can't, you know, because they all operate on this internet-based side of things. That's so, what just happened in the bushfires, isn't it? They're yeah. Over in the east coast there and everything. Yeah, yeah, they had the big bushfires and, and people couldn't call anyone. People couldn't get any money from anything. Couldn't get uh, petrol. Yeah, it was cash only. Um, that's where Mr Morrison saying we want a full cash ban. I think he's a bloody idiot. I could say a lot more about him, but, you know, we'll leave that one aside for a while, I think. <laughs> Knock yourself out. He's not yeah. popular. No, no, well, there's a, there's a lot of things I, I really don't like that he's done. Yep. 
Yeah, I think that that would be a one sort of a signal. Another one, like I said, would be the the whole um, the military presence. If they're starting to put a lot of military around, that would suggest they're going to start blocking roads off. Um, and you know, maybe call for martial law, which means everyone's trapped in a city, and you know that means you're going to be stuck. There's nothing you can do about it. Try and get out before that happens. Of course, if there's a handful of zombies running down the road, you'd pretty much pack up and get away from them. As soon so. as you see a zombie, you go. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. And drones flying around everywhere all of a sudden, that sort of suggests something's going on as well. You know, there's lots of little things that you could sort of see coming. I think the the media as such, as in your mainstream media, I don't think they'd give you any sort of a heads up if something major was happening because they would, wouldn't want the panic in the population. So I don't think they'd give you much of an idea. But if you can just sort of you'd sense it, I guess, it would be the thing, you know, if, you, if you've got an open mind to anything could happen and um, just sort of look out for the warning signs or, or what might be a warning sign, uh, things that look out of place all of a sudden, that, that's what I'd be looking towards. Communication dropping out's the big one though, isn't yeah. it? Like if the, if the phone and the TV and the internet all just suddenly drop out. Yeah, you'd, you'd start to ask questions. Yeah. You, you might give it a day. And go, oh, it might be just a you know downtime thing, but you'd soon know because within two or three days of not having power and internet and supplies and shops not being open, you know, like you might go down to get your local you know, loaf loaf of bread and milk from the local shop or something. Oh, all our power's out. You know, we can't do anything. The shops are all closed. Oh, do you have you heard of anywhere else? You know, oh, nah, nowhere around here's got power. Yeah, they're starting to sound a bit funny. So you might take a little drive off somewhere in the car rather than in the truck and go, oh, let's go and have a look over this side of town, you know, see what's happening over there and the uh, same's happening there. All right, we're going to start packing just in case. Next day you go back out, no, nah, there's still nothing. Oh, it's time to think about going for a little holiday for a couple of weeks, kids, you yeah. know, until, and as you go along, you might see, you know, all the way down the highway, there's no power, no power, no power, you know, this is a bit funny, you know, you, you might get a handful of suburbs that without power, but you're not going to get not half the country, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, if you did go too early, though, it's just a, just a camping trip, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> if you, you got it wrong. You go off and you, you're out for two weeks, you're just having a camping trip for yeah. two weeks, you turn around and you come back. Yeah. It's the same as a normal holiday. But if you're right, you're already, you know, 1,200 k's in advance. Do you store food and stuff like that, do you? Yeah, yeah, we stock up all the, like, dry goods, so rices and pastas and tin food, things like that that can have a decent shelf life. I like to take a lot of flour so I can make my own breads. Um, I learnt how to make bread from, you know, wheat and stuff like that anyway. Um, so if you, you've run out of flour and you just go across, you know, come across some sort of wheat crop out in the bush. A lot of country there that's wheat belt country. And you just go and grab a few heads off the crops and, you know, get a mortar and pastel and crush it down and make your own flour and away you go. You've got some form of bread at least. And the main thing you got to look for there is yeast, but... My mate likes to say, just pick it out from me between my toes or something. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you can always do something. So, yeah. um, it, it just, like I say, it depends on, on how you look at things. Um, there's a lot of native, you know, foods and fruits and things like that that you can use if you don't like killing animals or a bit weary about it or anything like that. 
you know, you can still survive off bits and pieces that you'll find out in the bush. So you could go out and live off the land and be and and be vegan. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to make a lot yeah. a few people happy. Yeah. Well, as long as you you know you pay attention to what you eat and you. Um, basically you put it to your lips and if it's going to burn your lips you probably don't want to eat it um, being that it's going to probably have a lot of toxin in there if it's already burning your lips yeah you do that test you know you just touch it to your lip if it burns yeah don't do it and then yeah, a tiny little taste and yeah yeah you know. it, it helps if you already have the knowledge like um, yes on, on my website there i've got um quite a few documents within the website that it shows you all the bush foods and things like that in the areas so people sort of go in there and download the book onto their um you know phone or ipad and have it downloaded so even if you ran out of internet or um service or anything like that you could still have access to all of these files that tell you what you can and can't eat and uh, there's lists of bush medicines and things out there as well and that's on your website which of course is uh is jim's outback yeah yeah Um, you didn't get any shit from Jim's mowing when you started that up? Mate, I really do not care. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Uh, Jim Penman, um, if you are listening, you're an idiot. Um, I started a computer business uh, probably about 25 years ago now, and I started it, and it was called Jim's Computer Services. And me and him, we had words. Oh, really? Because it's about um, three years into me owning the business, he decided he wanted to start a Jim's Computer Services. And uh, I said, well, it, mate, you know, I've already got this business all set up and running over here in WA. What, what are you playing at? And he said, oh, well, I'll, I'll call my business Jim's Dog Nuts and uh, just have a logo that says Jim's Computer Services and you can't do shit about it. He said, so how about you give me 40 grand and you can just have part of my business? I said, no. So how oh, about- oh, he wants you to franchise into him. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. And we had this big thing and yeah, that, I don't like that fella very much, so... He can go and get stuffed as far as I see. So Jim's, he's not going to franchise him to Jim's Outback? Nah. So you do, like, you will teach people skills, you take classes, you... Um, at, at the moment, I, um, I'm not doing any sort of classes. Yeah. I, I sort of do most of my stuff by just putting the information online where I can, or um, I like to encourage other people to, you know, put stuff in the forums as well. Someone might be good at hunting pigs, you know, and they can put down that information or... Someone might have inf- information about bush medicines up north or over east, and th- they're quite welcome to put that info there. And that's all just, um, again, you know, putting the community spirit in to help other people learn so other people can survive as well. You know, the last thing you want when you're out in the middle of nowhere trying to survive an apocalypse is to be the only one out there that survived. Yeah, gets lonely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And kangaroos don't talk back. (laughs) (laughs) It's a problem if they do. Yeah, yeah, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Start scratching heads then. Yeah. Yeah, right. So, and you said that there's a bit of a uh, a bit of a community around here, like in 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 Perth, Um, like for prepping stuff. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. um, There's, there's. You'll see like you know a lot of Facebook groups and things like that that have a lot of prepping stuff on them, and quite a lot of them will have, um, you know, a lot lot of information in their files categories and stuff like that you can go through and you know that they might do all the same sort of stuff there might be someone that's got you know diagrams of how to build traps and stuff like that or how to build shelters um i don't know if you can see it up the back there i've got like a tp where the, the kids have been playing and building tp out of the branches okay. and stuff like that yep you know just basic shelters and stuff like that is, is a good thing to learn as well you know like with your sticks and stone that's one of the aboriginal things of 
you can sort of get through anything as long as you've got sticks and stone around and the country's full of sticks and stones. Yep. You know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but one day they could save me. Is a, a thing that I like to say rather than, you know, names will never hurt me. Yeah. <laughs> What's a name? Yeah, that's it. So, yeah, a stick and a stone and you can get anything done. Pretty much, yeah. Just for, like, someone listening right now, have they've got they've got no skills, they've yep. never been camped, they don't know, but they do think, you know what, it would be smart to be prepared to to start doing something to start doing something what do you what's what do you reckon they do like what's your where, where's your first point of call to to start um i'd start with the basics um teach yourself things like you know how to build a basic shelter or um you know go through some of these other prepping sites and stuff like that to see what information you can get and whatever information you get, I'd try and make a hard copy of it of sorts. And uh, don't rely on the electronics of it. You know, get books on it. You got survival books and all that sort of stuff that you can get hold of. Anything along those lines that are going to help you. You know, to have a reference to something when you are out and about. Um, even if you you had to leave and had to leave all your books behind, at least if you've gone through them and read them things in that you've already read will click through your mind once you're out there you know you, you might think ah oh, that sounds silly you know i don't need to get a kangaroo this way because i've got mcdonald's down the road or, <laughs> you know, the, the supermarkets always got meat on the shelves and all that sort of stuff but once you're out in the bush and you realize oh shit i, I should have known that it'll start sinking back in and you'll start getting memories of what you've read that should start helping you just automatically learn yeah, just start at the basics, work yep. your way up. What do you think if you're putting together a... You, you've got a bug-out truck. Yeah. What do you need to put in, into a bug-out bag? Oh, so a bug-out bag, I'd, I'd carry like your, things like your first aid kits. You know, make sure you've got stuff for snake bites and um, any major breaks or anything like that. You want to have something to be able to support yourself. So having basic first aid knowledge is, is handy. You, you probably want other things in there like a compass would probably be handy for someone that doesn't have um, any knowledge of direction you know like I've got a built-in GPS almost in my head so I'm okay but yep. um, a lot of people wouldn't have that you know they they wouldn't be used to working out what directions to follow or how to use the stars as a guide or, or anything like that so having a compass would be handy having a, a magnifying glass maybe would be handy for them as well for starting fives or um, you know, even a, a, the old flint sticks, things like that, maybe a survival knife, a uh, bit of fishing line with a hook on it, so you can go fishing even in the fresh water, you can catch fish out there quite often. All these little things that you could use uh, for trapping and, and stuff like that, you know, basics. I'd also take a notepad and pencil in a, a plastic bag. When I say pencil, because your, pen, your ink will run off the paper, you know, so if you've got pencil, it will usually stay there even if it gets wet, things like that. Then you can at least make notes to yourself when you're going somewhere and say, okay, I've walked. Write help on a piece of paper. Yeah. Well, yeah <laughs> you know, draw draw arrows in, in on the ground with rocks, you know, yep. point, point in a direction. I mean, and that'll mean that people can follow you out there somewhere if you were lost, you know, and you'll you're thinking, well, I don't know if anyone's going to find me. If you start pointing arrows in the direction you're walking in, then um, quite often it, that'll help. Yeah. Um, so when, when you 
you're doing a bug out bag. I mean, I'd have basic things as well, like maybe another change of clothes in there. I mean, it's not a necessity to change your clothes every day, of course, and it's not the same as you don't need a shower every day. You might want a water bottle, of, you know, like a decent sort of a, a, a bottle to, to carry everything in. Um, that way, when you do find water, you can take some with you. The uh, Bottle of vodka? Well, yeah, you always chuck a bottle of vodka and <laughs> half a dozen beers in or something, I suppose. Everything will tend to get, you know, harder and harder to carry when you... The more you've more you got to carry, the, the harder it's going to be for you because you've got more weight, obviously. And, I mean, to me, that's that's where it comes back down to stick and stone. Um, if you can utilise that and get used to that and just carry some basics on you, um, things like your water bottle and maybe an knife or, or something like that, just to make life a little bit easier, That that's about all I'd have in there. My bag in, in itself, I've got... I have got a GPS in there, but that's for when I find um, good gold spots or stuff like that. I can oh, mark you can them tag out. them, yeah. yeah. Um, and I've got an EPIRB in there just in case I decide that, all right, there's a big emergency, you know. I might, I'd rather someone come pick me up. Yeah, yeah, you know, like, especially like if it's not in a, a an Armageddon situation or something like that, you know, you're just out in the middle of the bush. It, it's, sometimes it's handy if you've come across a big car accident, you can just set your EPIRB off and get yep. a chopper in to help them out or something like that. So that's why I carry that with me. I also carry like neck bandages that you can soak in water. They're like a um, roll up into nothing, but they got like a beans in them that swell up. And if you dip them in water, you can wrap it around your neck. It keeps you cool yep. throughout the day. But I suppose a lot of it, you, you bring common sense with you. Um, if it's really hot, don't keep walking. You know, sit in a, a shady spot until it cools down. Uh, a lot of the Aboriginal people do a lot of their walking on a full moon so that way they're keeping cool throughout the day or you know by hiding in the shade yeah, and at just, night they're, yep. they're doing the walking and it's a lot cooler to walk they're not losing so much energy you'll come across a lot more sleeping animals or, or wildlife um, around the place at night as well that you wouldn't find in the day so it's, it's handy to just think of those things when you're out and about you've um you married married uh, not quite yet. Not quite yet. Okay, yeah, but, but we're engaged. Yeah, you got a, Yeah, you got. You got a. You got a. You got a partner. You've got kids. Um, how, how does how's your partner go with it with the the prepping thing? And you say I'm gonna. I'm. Go, I've got to spend another ten grand on the truck for. There's a new thing coming on. Or oh, she's pretty much used to that now. She, <laughs> yeah, yeah right. she, she sort of lets me do whatever I. I think I need to do. Yep. As long as I can keep her happy at the same time with, you know, she she might say I need a new bed in the house. I say, well, I'll get that too. You know. Yep. But, yeah, she, she loves being out bush with me as well, so um, that all comes in handy. You'll pick the right person. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah. And let's just go back to the um, destroying the drones. The artificial intelligence taken over, the robots are hunting humanity. You can find an old microwave and... Uh, you'd, you'd need a couple of extra little bits and pieces, but right. yeah, um, a couple of car parts and a bit of an old microwave and... You wire that up in the right direction, you can make a rapid fire EMP. Yeah, really? Yeah. <laughs> so just—is that on your website? No. <laughs> no, that that one's only in my head, and um, the, the government doesn't like anyone knowing <laughs> that one, so we don't put that one out there. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's all you'd really need. Um, maybe a coil pack off an old Commodore or something like that. They should do the job. There's a few old Commodores out in the bush as well as a couple of old microwaves. You could do that quite easily. Yeah, just the old rubbish tip. Go for a scrounge through there. 
something out one of the back of the old communities and things like that, you'd, I'm sure you'd find some bits and pieces. Even in the old farmer's tips, you'd pick up bits and pieces. Tell you what, hopefully, hopefully when the shit hits the fan, Jim, I'm, I'm in, uh, I'm in, <laughs> I'm in, in WA doing yeah. gigs, mate. I'll be, I'll be straight over. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you and there's a few other people that want to come with as well. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, uh, good. Um, thanks, thanks for having a chat with us, mate. It's been, no, it's been great. Right. No worries at all. It's the Apocalypse Comedy Podcast. That was Jim Greer, Australian prepper, talking about all things prepping, surviving in the bush, how to blow drones out of the sky with a rapid-fire EMP, which obviously, if you weren't aware, is an electromagnetic pulse. <laughs> Some pretty cool stuff. Now, that's... You know, that's a handy skill if the robots ever do get loose, how to turn an old microwave and a couple of car parts into a defensive <laughs> into a defensive weapon, which can help you out in a lot of situations. If you want to know more about what Jim is bringing to the table, you go to his website. It is jimsoutback.com.au. Lots of survival advice there, lots of prepping advice, putting together a bug out bus, a bug out truck. Also, don't forget the pictures of his bug out truck are on my instagram which is at mcnevin very straightforward very easy to find if you want to have a couple of if you want to have a bit of a look at the pictures of his truck there's a post on there just scroll through you'll find it it's not hard you know how instagram works uh, as i said all of my stuff is on my website mcnevin.com.au the links to buy tickets to uh, Adelaide Fringe and Melbourne International Comedy Festival are there. Use the promo code PODCAST, get yourself a discount, and that's pretty much it. Send us a message. be great to hear from you if you want to suggest a guest. That is also pretty cool. Next week, I will be chatting with two former SAS soldiers who have uh, they've retired from the SAS. They're now working in the business world as consultants, but super to have a chat with them about uh, the headspace about getting your head right to survive in an apocalypse situation obviously those two bringing a lot of skills to the table they've got their own podcast so we're doing a little a mashup uh, a double episode like an episode for them and an episode for me it's not the usual setup but you'll get the gist of it when you listen to it if you want to listen to that anyway that's all coming up next week um, in the meantime rate review tell your friends and please Stay safe. It's the Apocalypse Comedy Podcast.